Excellent. Well, welcome to our very special Mother's Day panel. We've got three amazing panellists with us today. We've got our wonderful Jean Taylor, if you'd like to come forward, please. Woohoo! Come and take a seat. We also have Jade McKenzie. <laughs> Yay! And Melinda Joss, come on forward. Thank you guys so much. Now we're going to be extra nice because it can be very nerve-wracking being up here if you're not used to it. So, But anyway, ladies, welcome. It's wonderful to have you here. Um, in case you don't know me, my name is Tracy and um, I'm part of the team here at Belfast Elam. Um, I myself have got um, two wonderful boys aged 18 and 15. Love them to bits. Hey, Daniel. Excellent. Jean, if you'd like to introduce yourself and tell us how many kids, grandkids, I don't know if you've got any great grandkids, have you? <gasps> yeah, I'm Jean Taylor. Um, my husband and I pastored for, oh, I can't remember how many years, goes back too far, and he died 11 years ago, so I'm exploring what it's like to do things on my own. Um, and we had four children. Uh, Helen is pastoring in Hong Kong, Craig is in Melbourne and he will always be on the sound or lighting system. Vicky's just walked away but at the moment, she's the third one and my fourth is Mark Taylor who's pastors Mount Hartelium and most of you know him. And how many, I? Helen's got no children, Craig's got three boys and a daughter-in-law and one grandchild for him so that's one great grandchild and the second one is due any time. So, and she's another girl. And then Vicky's got a boy and a girl, and Mark's got three girls. So you count it up, yeah. <laughs> um, hard to beat. <laughs> so I'm, I'm Jade, and I have a four-year-old daughter, Ava. No grandkids yet. <laughs> That's good to hear. <laughs> Excellent. And Melinda. Thank you, Jade. <laughs> I'm Melinda. I have two beautiful children, James, who is 16 and driving, and Chloe, who has disappeared over her chair there, hiding. She's 15. And no grandchildren. Better not be anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> that is very exciting. So we've chosen these three lovely ladies because they are all at different stages of the parenting walk. And one thing we really, I really felt about today is because this is Mother's Day, it is about being a mother, but the questions apply a lot to, to our lives just as Christians as well. So if you take out the mother bit, it's still seeing what God's done in our lives as well and how he's helped us through different situations and things. So even if you're sitting there thinking, well, I'm not a mum or I'm not this or not that, you know, God, God can use you no matter what and God is with you in every circumstance. So our first question's a bit of a fun one. <laughs> And it is, is what name do you use for your children when you're telling them off? Now, I myself, I'll, just, I'll start this one. Just, I won't normally answer the question, but I'd like to say um, my oldest son, our oldest son, has two middle names for a reason. <laughs> when he's in big trouble, he gets all four names. It's quite cool. <laughs> anyway, Jean, what did you used to use their full names? I can remember using the full name for the boys. They had middle names. It was, if it was telling them off, it was Craig William. 
and Mark John. And, but I can't remember the girls. And yet I'm sure I must have told them off sometime. But I, I just want to say, we lived on a farm when they were young. And they had 183 acres and a beachfront to run around on. And there was always things to do. And I'm sure keeping them busy... They weren't angels, but I'm sure keeping them busy meant that we just didn't have to tell them off very often. Um, I'm not quite at the stage yet where I've ever had to, like, use Ava's full name. I'm sure that will come, I guess, uh, for me. It's sort of it's just like I draw my breath in and it starts with an old Ava. <laughs> but that's, that's about as, as far as I've had to go. <laughs> For me, I've used their full names and I've used them for a while. Last week it was Chloe Saffron Blackwell and James Keith Blackwell. Get your butts downstairs right now. <laughs> they came pretty quickly, but the most memorable time I ever did this was when I was sitting on the bedroom floor playing with Chloe and this fly came out of her mouth. And then another fly came out of her mouth. And then her third one, I was like, okay, I know what's going on here. Went outside, said to James, James Keith Blackwell, did you feed your sister flies? And he went, yeah. (laughs) He was about two and a half. (laughs) That is brilliant. (laughs) Oh, that is is true brotherly love. I love that. (laughs) Go, James. Just, I'd just recommend, James, you watch out. Chloe may get you back for that one day. <laughs> that is excellent. Righty-ho. Well, Jade, what was one breakthrough moment in your parenting where God really came through for you? Okay. So um, the very first breakthrough moment for me that stood out was when Ava was born. Um, I went into my induction. I was two weeks overdue and um, I felt this just impending doom of what life was going to look like. So much had gone wrong during that time and um, I had no idea what our future was going to be. And then after she was born and I was finally alone for the first time in a few days, there were no visitors, nurses, midwives, no one, just me. I remember looking down at this little baby and... um, I just felt this this real cloud from God just come down and just settle. And I just felt all that loneliness, all that worry, just poof, it was gone. And I felt like it's never left. <laughs> so that's been awesome. That is wonderful. That is truly, truly awesome. Jean, how about you? What is one breakthrough moment? Jade, would you like to? What is one breakthrough moment um, where God really came through for you? This is, it's not so good, but it was good. Um, when our eldest daughter was five, she stopped breathing f- about four times before we got her to hospital. And instead of me, f- and we, there was no helicopters available because they, they were all down here at um, snow time. It was early August. And uh, we rang our vicar who had a little Oster thingy plane. And he said, no, he hadn't got a night flying licence. So that we had to wait for a plane to come from Nelson to Golden Bay where we were living. And we, ha- and we had to ring up all sorts of friends to go and use their cars to light the runway because it, was, it wasn't a public runway, it was, a, it was a, um, a farm airstrip because the public one wasn't accessible in wet weather. So, uh, so here we are in the middle of the night driving the ambulance across to the thing and taking off and she survived. I mean, we, we, the doctors both went with her instead of me going and John and I drove over and arrived there, went to the ICU. Oh, the doctors are with her. And we just heaved a sigh of relief and said, she's still alive. But, but well, I wasn't going to say that 
but that's to the background. But later on, while she was still in hospital, we were having a meal in a cafe. I couldn't even tell you what cafe it was. And while we'd been churchgoers, we hadn't been introduced to the Holy Spirit at this point. There was just this sense of God's love, and I just knew then everything was going to be okay. I just had this... Like, we know now it's the Holy Spirit, but there was this sense of being wrapped in God's love as I sat in this cafe. Oh, that's beautiful. Did you find you went back to that moment when your oh. kids were sick at all? Oh, that oh you just yes, went back because, to that because it started with a sore throat. And when everybody got a sore throat, I just panicked. I mean, another sore throat, what am I going to do? You know, and then I just had to remember, no, God's in control. God's in control. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Melinda? Breakthrough moments. I've got to be honest, there haven't been any breakthrough moments that haven't come without prayers and tears and just shouting out to God. Uh, there's been so many moments in life of just chaos and what is going on, but God always has a plan for my kids and he always comes through for them. Um, James, when he was younger, was aggressive at school. If other kids had teased him for hours on end, um, he went through to high school in the naughty class because of this which worked out to be the best thing ever because he was one of the brightest students and got the attention that he needed. So you, you can kind of see God's plans in behind things, but at the time you've got no idea of what's going on. And saying that, there's been one moment where I was on an altar call one day for absolute... I can't remember why. But what I got was God's a sense of his overwhelming love for him. And it's a thousand times stronger at least than anything that I feel for them. And I can cling to that in the moments that... I like that, and just know that he's got them. Oh, I think that's lovely, and I think that's really actually a really good point for all of us here, is that we have to remember for all of our loved ones that we care so, so much about, Jesus loves them even more than we do, and he, he wants what's best for them too. So when we're praying for them, we can hold on to that fact that God loves them a million times more than we do, which is hard to believe when we know how much we love them. I love that, Melinda. That's wonderful. So, Jean, <laughs> well, let's put it this way. Even before it happens, we always hear stories about what it's like to be a mother or a nana, grandma. So, Jean, what is something unexpected, good and not so good, um, that parenthood made you realise about yourself? So we were in a totally different situation to most people in that John came to New Zealand in 1963, and I followed him in 64. He used to say I chased him, which I don't mind saying. <laughs> so when we got married, we didn't have family around us. We had people that we'd made friends with, but we didn't have family. So we didn't get that at all. The, the, this, you'll notice this when you start having children, nothing like that. So we were a bit self-sufficient, actually. Um, we were already share milking when the first two children were born, um, but one of the things that I, I thought about as I thought about this is I think it's the lack of privacy. I mean, with four children running around, you can't even go to the bathroom without somebody's knocking on the door and shouting, Mum! And I would say, oh, my name's not Mum today. <laughs> uh, so it's that, just that lack of privacy and, and finding time for yourself. But now I've got all the time to myself I need. I'd rather go back to having the kids knocking on the door and saying, Mum! <laughs> Cool. How about for you, Jade? <laughs> what is, is something unexpected that um, parenthood made you realise about yourself? 
good. It's probably not that unexpected for most people, but I've learned that my time management sucks. <laughs> it's really, really bad. Um, half the time I walk over into preschool, I'm still in my slippers. Um, it's at the point where if I go there and I'm like, you know, half looking decent, they're like, oh, are you off somewhere exciting? I'm like, no, <laughs> I just got dressed properly. But that's, that's, been, that's kind of been unexpected for me because I sort of thought, you know, I'm just a late person. My time management's okay. It's really not. <laughs> <laughs> that's excellent. I think kids, I definitely think kids uh, make us review our time management skills, that's for sure. What about you, Melinda? Um, parenting's made me realise a lot of things. Um, firstly, I have an ability to cope. Um, being a parent prepares you for so much. You have poos, you have vomit, you have tears, you have when they break things and you have to deal with all of that so it helps you to cope. Um, my ability to organise is always good but my kids will tell you I stress out when my time management <laughs> goes out the window and I am trying to do a million things at once. They do not like that. Um, it helps you realise that you don't know it all. Um, each child is different, each day is different, and the amount of stuff that you have to deal with is quite different too. Yep. And there's one more thing that's taught me, and that's not to judge other parents. I remember the start of this question was, what was it like before you became a parent? You have so many ideas of how it's going to be and how your kids are not going to do this and not going to do that. And then you have your children and you realise, yeah, well, that didn't work. <laughs> so never judge other parents. I love that. That is excellent. Okie dokie. Who shall we go with? Jade. In the middle there. What is it for you about the power of a mother's love that teaches us about God's love? Ooh, so I think since becoming a mother and experiencing that really unconditional love, um, it's sort of like the penny dropped for me that if I love my child this much, God's love for me is a thousand times more. And also his expectation for me to love others is the same. <laughs> um, and it's taught me that just like, you know, his love is so much more than what we can even begin to understand, his grace is the same. Yeah. <laughs> That's huge. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Jean, what about you? What is it for you about the power of a mother's love that teaches us about God's love? It's one specific occasion. We um, had been at Bible college and we didn't know where we were going. And we ended up sitting in Auckland for an extra term, which was a bit stressful. And then we got a job down here in Christchurch, so kids were going to move. And I was saying to God, you don't move fifth form children in the middle of the year. Like two of them, now Craig was fourth form, I think. You don't move kids in the middle of the year. And God clearly said to me, don't you think I love them more than you do? And I've never forgotten that, that... that you know, there was my love reaching out and thinking, well, they weren't going to do very good because we were moving them at the wrong year, wrong time of the... And we'd, they'd all said goodbye to their friends at the end of December and said, well, we'll be, we, we're graduating, we'll be going somewhere. And, of course, then they had to go back to school in January because we didn't know where we were going. <laughs> um, but that particular thing just always stuck with me. Um, yeah. Excellent, excellent. Melinda? The one word I got from this was delight. You look at them as little babies when they're sleeping and you watch them as toddlers 
when they're finishing the day at preschool and they just come running into your arms or you look at them as little children when they're exploring something and they just want to bring it to you and show it to you and how precious that is. And even it's teenagers when they just give you a hug or they give you a kind word. It's just that absolute delight and joy that you get from them. Um, This brought to mind a verse which was Zephaniah 3 verse 7. The Lord is with you, he is mighty to save and he will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and rejoice over you with his singing. And I think that speaks just of God's delight in us. It speaks of those moments of pure love and joy when you know that God, who's the big creator of the universe, and yet he still cares for us in the same way we care for our kids. It's beautiful. That really is. I think, actually, I was thinking about this question as well. And um, for me, the mother's love, when our kids are really naughty, when our kids tell us that they hate us, (laughs) when our kids are doing exactly what we don't want them to do, we still love them. We would still give our all for them. And I, I know that that is God's love as well for us when we're doing the wrong thing, when we are doing... What we know we shouldn't be doing when we're doing what God's told us not to do, He still loves us more than anything. And I think all your answers have been just magnificent. I really do. So, this is actually our last question, believe it or not. So, Jade, what is. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. In all seriousness, they actually knew these questions before today. So. <laughs> It's not a surprise for them. What is one particular scripture that has been close to your heart as a mum over the years? So it's on the screen, right? <laughs> okay. Um, so my this this verse, I did not want to bring it. I tried to back out with God on this so many times. And all these lovely verses that I've held on to for these almost five years, just poof, they were totally gone. And this was the only one that stuck. So little backstory, um, this verse, it's so different for me. Um, but it was given to me by a, a visiting pastor. And he did an altar call at the end of the service. And As he was praying for me and Ava, I was pregnant at the time, he kept saying to me, what two things I have put together, God has put together, no man shall tear apart. And I had no idea what that meant for me at the time. But then, you know, fast forward (laughs) almost five years, um, Ava and I have been through a lot of turmoil, uh, a lot of judgment as a single parent. A lot of people think, well, you can't really make the best choices because you're just a single parent. Um, And even people have gone so far as to sort of assume that perhaps she would be better suited with a family of two. Um, (laughs) And yet still, whenever these sort of comments are made and these things are brought up, he just says, what I have put together, no man will tear apart. Absolutely. I love that. And just to read that verse out, it is in Mark 10 verse 9. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And God created Ava in your womb. He knew that you would be the perfect mum for her. I love that. Ah, Melinda. When I thought this through, I thought there really isn't one. Um, I'm going to be honest and say where I draw the most strength and comfort from is a Bible study I did years ago in my small group. We went looking for perfect families in the Bible. There aren't perfect families in the Bible. They are messed up. (laughs) 
<laughs> so if God can use them and care for them, he can care for me and mine. But you'll see, be still and know that I'm God up there too. Um, this was given to me when Chloe was still in preschool. And all that mess and all that chaos and everything that's going on, it helps to like be still and know that I'm God. I'll be honest, I'm really bad at that. This verse came back to me on an altar call earlier this year, and I'm like, really, God, can I still not put things under my own control? But no. <laughs> the answer is, let him. Excellent. Excellent. And Jean, what is your verse? Well, well that one of Melinda's has been my verse since John died. That, that whole Psalm 46, but particularly that verse. But the one when the family were younger was a, was a family verse. Uh, as for me and my house we will serve the Lord. And I was, I was pondering on that after I'd chosen it. Helen's pastor in, in Hong Kong. Craig is always involved in sound and lighting and whatever church he goes to. Vicky's not, but, but Mark's pastoring out of, out of the four children. And that was the... We had it on a, on a banner thing that we hung up in the house. And I hadn't sort of seen the completion of it, you know. Well, I still haven't. I'm Vicky needs to come back. <laughs> I hope she's not watching. <laughs> But what I love is, is with Vicky, she has got that foundation. She knows. Absolutely. She knows. She's not anti. No, no. no. And she no. knows. And the, we all have a lot of people that um, have, have known God, have that foundation, but maybe have walked away a bit. And we can just praise God and bless them and say, God, they are your children. We call them back Absolutely. to you. Keep them in our prayers. Um, Damien, could you please bring me those three frames? I actually have a wee gift for our three panellists because I know it's not easy to get up here and share. So what I've got here is each of your verses in a beautiful wee photo frame. think you're all magnificent. Let's give them another round of applause. Hey, wasn't that powerful, eh? I love that. The power of testimony is really significant. I just want to draw, uh, just bring a, a thought to you, just as we close today. And actually, this uh, before we do that, I just felt that um, it's so often, because we think of God as Father, and, and Jesus was obviously male, it it's, can be a little bit of a challenge, but this is something that Jesus himself said that I believe captures God's mother heart. It says this, he's talking about Jerusalem, how they're consistently rebellious. He says, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings? I just want to speak to that. What, what these ladies have communicated is God's, God's mother heart, God's heart to gather and restore that so often. Um, so mums, we honour you today. Ladies, we honour you today for that. Well, I want to take this opportunity to share a quote with you, and it's a quote that we've, we've printed on a nice little beautiful bit of card with some flowers on it. You can take that at the end of the service. It's one of our little gifts to you alongside a plant, and it has uh, not just 
a physical gift. It has spiritual significance for you. And we want you to look at this quote and remember, uh, remember a lesson. This quote says this, from a lady called Elizabeth Elliot. Don't dig up in doubt what you planted in faith. Don't dig up in doubt what you planted in faith. You may or may not know the story of Elizabeth and Jim Elliot, but for me it's, one of, it's a really inspirational story. In the early 50s, um, Elizabeth and her husband Jim left their home in the United States of America to travel to Ecuador to minister. And particularly, they were interested in ministering to tribes who had never heard the gospel before. In 1956, they had spent a number of months making contact with the Huarani tribe. Uh, Jim and his four friends um, got into an airplane, and they decided that it was time to land the airplane in a riverbed and to make face-to-face contact with the tribe. They had made uh, communication in other ways up till that point, but this was the first time they made face-to-face contact. Unfortunately, Jim and his friends were killed that time in the ensuing conflict by people that were trying to reach with the love of God. And so this morning, let's think about Elizabeth, somebody whose husband has been taken away. She had had a, a, a small, uh, she had a toddler. Her daughter at the time was very young. She's caught in her own grief. She's raising her daughter alone. And all the trials that go through losing someone you love, Elizabeth saw those moments not as wasted pain, but as seeds. Seeds that should never be dug up. Because when life's trials come, And when significant losses afflict our lives, it's very easy to doubt the seeds that we have planted. And Elizabeth said, do not dig up in doubt what you planted in faith. Jesus said something similar in John 12, verse 24. I shared it before. It said, "Unless, uh, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Ladies, we want to honor you today as people who have planted many, many seeds. Those tough times that you persevered through, those moments of unconditional love, those moments of prayer, uh, desperate prayer and faith for the children and the young people and the people for whom you have led in your life, whether they be related to you genetically or not, we want to honor you for planting those seeds and encourage you never ever to dig up in doubt what you planted sacrificially in faith. Let's not dig up in a season of doubt what was planted in faith because one day there will be a harvest. So as the team come today, uh, as the team come, there is another meaning to the scripture that I just want to share with you. Maybe you're watching this online, or maybe you're here in church for the very first time and someone's invited you along. There's another meaning. Jesus spoke those words to speak of his own life, that he was the seed, that he gave his life so that we might come to know him. And here at Elam, we never finish a service without giving people an opportunity to, to, to say, yeah, that's me, Pete. 
That's me. I, I know that I need to make things right with God. I want to give you an opportunity today to invite Jesus into your life, whether for the very first time or someone who's coming back to the Lord. I want to share with you today that Jesus loves you, that God loves you and created you, and he loves you exactly as you are now. But he loves you too much to leave you in your current situation. We all sin, and the Bible says that sin separates us from God. But God in his grace has made a way for us to come back into relationship with him. Jesus came from heaven to earth to die on the cross in our place, to carry on himself the, the punishment that we deserve for our sin so that all who would accept him as their Lord and Savior would be able to come into the very presence of God and have relationship with God today. So if, if, if you're here today, we're going to pray the simple prayer with every head bowed and eye closed. All of us, we're going to pray this prayer out loud together. And what I want you to do is just pray this along with everybody else. Let's pray together as we say, God, today I surrender my life to you. I know that I've sinned, but I believe that Jesus, you died for me. Come in and be the Lord of my life and make me brand new today. I choose from this day forward to live for you. With every head bowed and eye closed, if you prayed that prayer today, I want to say that we're so proud of you. I'd love to invite you to do one more thing. What I'm going to do is just count to three. And when I get to three, I'd love for you just to raise your hand nice and high and say, yeah, Pete, that's me. I prayed that either for the first time this morning or as somebody coming back to the Lord. I'd love for you to join me. I'd love just to pray for you, maybe even get a Bible into your hands if that's what you need. One, God loves you. Two, he sees the whole you and he's got such a powerful plan for your life. Three, would you lift your hand up nice and high? Awesome. God, we just thank you so much. Thank you for your heart, your heart of love and grace that sees us where we are. Like our, our lady so beautifully shared, if the love we have for our kids and for the young people around us is a picture of God, it is just a very poor picture that your love is so much more than anything we might experience. We thank you for that love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.